You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Good morning. How are y'all? Very good. Good to see you. My name is uh, not Michael Dwayne. Um, it is Michael Shane, but it was close. And I have no idea where Esquire uh, comes into the picture. Glad to be here this morning. Um, we, my wife and I, sitting on the back row back there, are excited to be here. Excited that Chris has uh, given me the opportunity to be able to share God's Word with you. Again, my name is Mike Cooper. We used to uh, live in LaGrange, moved away, moved a couple times. I worked for the uh, the federal prison system. I am a chaplain over at the female facility in Bryan, Texas. We live in College Station. And not that I'm counting, but I have 40 weeks until I can retire. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. How you do it, Miss Maggie? How you do it? Okay, right on. Um, 298 days five hours and something like that. So count it down, looking forward to retirement. And when we retire, my wife is already retired. When I retire, the plan is for us to come back to LaGrange, God willing, God willing, and and, uh, be here full time. And so excited about that. Excited to be able to share God's word with you today. If you have not um, been able to see or view any of the, the series chosen, I really, really encourage you to be able to do that. It gives, I'm a very visual person, and so you read through Scripture and you kind of have this thing in your mind, this picture that kind of comes about what the actual houses look like, what the attire look like, all that kind of stuff. And so this kind of gives you a new perspective. It kind of expands that a little bit. So if you've not had a chance to check it out, I really, really encourage you to. The theme for this particular episode is called... um, he has called us by name. And then the passage that the, the father and the daughter were quoting right there is in Isaiah 43. I want to read that to you real quick. It says, it says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created, O Jacob, he who formed, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And that reminds me, I didn't say this in the first service, but our worship team, spot on. Fantastic job. They are doing an amazing job. Absolutely, absolutely. And when you hear the songs that follow up, uh, you'll say, man, it all just kind of ties together. Beautiful, beautiful way that they orchestrate that. It's not something that just happens by chance. They, they really plan that. They work hard for that. And so let them know when you see them, encourage them, love on them as far as the way they they lead out in worship. The passage that we're going to be talking about today is in Luke chapter 19, looking at the first 10 verses. When Chris asked me, he kind of sent a schedule saying, hey, these are the dates that are available. These are kind of the, the topics, the themes. And as soon as I saw the Chosen series and I saw this particular, uh, this week available, I've called you by name. This passage in Luke chapter 19 came to me instantaneous. It was one of those things where it's just, I believe the Spirit of God just said, hey, this is what needs to be preached on that particular day. It is one of the, the times in Scripture where Jesus calls somebody that he doesn't know by name, and it's recorded in Scripture. And it's a story of Zacchaeus 
Very, very familiar story. I'm going to let you know now that I'm not going to sing the song. Uh, and so, I know, right? D- disappointed. Disappointed. You would not be disappointed if you heard me sing the song. Well, actually, you would be disappointed, and you would be glad I didn't sing it. So, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 19. We're going to be looking at the first ten verses. Luke 19, verse 1, says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. So I want to share with you, I believe, three truths in Scripture that was true to Zacchaeus, that was true, that is true for us today, and that will be true a thousand years from now if Jesus doesn't come back before then. And the first truth that I want you to see, that we can see right there in Scripture easily, is that Zacchaeus wanted to to see this person named Jesus. And so he goes ahead of him in the line, uh, down the road, wherever it was, it doesn't tell us specifically where it's at. But he says he got up into the tree, and then when Jesus reached that spot in verse 5, it says, Scripture says that he looked up. And so the very first thing that Zacchaeus recognizes is that Jesus sees him. Jesus stops from the crowd that he's, that he's leading. He looks up and he sees Zacchaeus in this tree. And I want you to understand that if he saw Zacchaeus, he sees us today. I know the God who spoke light into existence, the God who's who created the platypus, the God who created the trees and the earth and the birds of the sky. He knows everything. And he, when he saw Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus understood, hey, man, I am visible to this person named Jesus. Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus, had heard about all the stories, all the miracles, all the healings, all the things that Jesus had done, and wanted to see who this guy Jesus was. Now, there are things in my life that I want to see before uh, Jesus calls me home. There's, I want to see the Eiffel Tower. I want to go to the Holy Land. I want to see the Garden of Gethsemane. I want, there's some things that I physically want to see with my own eyes. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. One of the things that I have seen uh, prior to, uh, to me dying was the Grand Canyon. Anybody ever seen the Grand Canyon? All right, we have a handful of folks in here. And I'm just going to let you know, those of you that have not seen it, but you've seen pictures... Not even close. Okay, it just is not. It can't. It can't compare. And so I would encourage you, if you ever get out west, stop by the Grand Canyon, get to Prescott, Arizona. You're close. Just go north. And uh, when I drove out there, I kind of had this image in my mind of what it was going to be like. Kind of driving up, 
Uh, once you leave the interstate and you head north, there's not a whole lot out there. It's just kind of barren, kind of ugly. And then all of a sudden you see this this sign that, that welcomes you into this park. And then you're and you really still can't see anything. You start seeing some bigger trees. And then you get to a parking lot and you're going, man, I, st- I still really don't see anything. I, I expected there to be some type of hilly, mountainous kind of area that we're going to have to climb up and then kind of look over into the Grand Canyon. But you got out of the parking lot and you walk down a sidewalk around some trees and then boom, there's a guardrail. And then there's the ever-loving Grand Canyon right there in front of you. Okay. And so, and it is absolutely, absolutely stunning. And not only is just this massive hole beautiful, but the colors that you've never seen before are there. So there are some there are some things that I have seen with my eyes that I thought were amazing. There are some things that I want to see still before I die. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. And the roles kind of reversed on him when Jesus stopped and looked up at him. And then he said something to Zacchaeus. You know what, remember what Scripture says he says there in verse 5? What does he do? He calls him by name. He hadn't met Zacchaeus before. Zacchaeus runs ahead, gets in the tree. Jesus stops. Jesus looks up at him and calls him by name. I don't know what, if you were, if you were Zacchaeus, what that would do for you. That would amaze me. Okay. That would actually would maybe kind of startle me a little bit saying, holy cow, how do you know my name? How do you know who I am? But probably what that would, what that did to Zacchaeus as well is it solidified in his mind, all the things that he had heard before. If Jesus is this guy who's committing, is doing all the miracles, or he, he's healing these folks, and then he knows my name without ever meeting me, probably gives some validity to what he's done in the past. And so the, the first truth was that he sees me. The second truth is that I want you to see is that he knows me. He knows who I am. Not only does he know my name, but he knows everything about me. Back in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, Scripture says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now, I don't know what that means fully other than he's an incredible God who knew who I was from the moment of conception. From when my mother conceived and I started developing in the womb, God knew who I was. I have a, a, a different perspective on that because I'm a dad. I also have a different perspective on that because now I'm a grandfather and we have a grandson, another grandson that's on uh, his way. He will be here. Um, one month from today is the due date. Um, hallelujah. His name is Tate. So be praying for Tate um, as he's on his way. Um, I'm hope my birthday is July the 8th, so I'm kind of hoping that he shows up a little bit early and we're going to get to share the, the same, the same birthday. But it's one of those things where I, I know that he and I are going to get along famously. I don't know why I know that already, but I just know that, that Tate and I are going to hang out a bunch. My wife, and I think maybe I've shared this before you, with you before, is when we became grandparents, we had to choose our grandparent name, right? That's the way, way that it goes. And it was never going to be grandma or grandpa. So if you're a grandma or grandpa and that's what your, your grandkids call you, cool, not who we are. Okay. I just, we're not going to be that, we're not going to be that, those people. And so the kids, our kids started calling me pops about 15 years ago. What's up, pops? What's up, pops? And so 
that became one of those things. Now, I'm not dad anymore. I'm just pops. And so my wife said, man, what goes good with pops? What goes good? She says, lolly. And so she's lolly and I'm pops. You'll, it'll catch on here in a minute. Okay. Um, and so, but, but I look forward to Tate getting to know who I am. I'm getting, I'm looking forward to getting to know who he is. The creator of the universe knows who you are. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows the things that drive you crazy. He knows the things that bring joy to your heart. He knows the things that make you smile. He knows those intricate details about your life. When Jesus stopped, looked up at Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, I want you to come down. I want you to come out of that tree because I want to get to know you and I want you to get to know me. The same God who spoke that to Zacchaeus speaks that to you today. He says, Mike, I want to get to know you. Missy, I want to get to know you. Robert, I want to get to know you. Whatever your name is, I want to get to know you and I want you to get to know me. And that that doesn't happen by just chance. That doesn't happen with no work involved. Those of you that are married, those of you who have kids, those relationships, they take effort. They take work to get to know each other. If you sit there and you're on your couch and you do absolutely nothing to get to know somebody, that's going to tell you what kind of relationship you're going to have with somebody. It requires work, requires effort for you to get to know somebody. Believers, children of God, we have to put in the work. We have to put in the time to get to know who our Savior is. And that happens by being in God's Word. It happens by us spending time in a service like this. So the first truth is that he, God sees us. second truth is that He knows who we are. And what's amazing is not only does he know who we are, but he knows what we need. He knows everything from the prayer requests that we lift up, those things that we desire. He knows what we need. And and sometimes he says, you know what? Absolutely, yes. Uh, I'm going to give you what you're praying for. I'm going to give you what you need. Sometimes he says, you know what? You're not ready just yet. You're not ready for me to answer that prayer, so I'm going to make you wait a little bit. I'm going to make you pray. I'm going to make you spend some time. And then sometimes the answer is a definitive no. You know what? You don't need that in your life. And so the answer is no. One of the things that amazes me is moms. Moms know their babies better than dads. Dads, I'm sorry if you're really close to your kids and you think you know them. Moms know them better. It's just the way that it is. The reason that I can prove that is because moms... When you hear a cry, typically when the little ones, when they're little and they can't communicate, they can't talk just yet, you know when it's a hungry cry. You know when it's a diaper cry. You know when it's a hurt tummy cry. You just know those. Dads typically, and there may be exceptions to the rule, typically just don't know those things. God knows everything about us. He knows what we need. And more importantly, he knows when we need it. Knows when we need those things in our life. So he sees us. He knows us. Third thing I want you to see is that what does he tell Zacchaeus? He says, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. And so he sees me. Zacchaeus is thinking he sees me. He knows who I am because he's called me by name. And the third thing is that he wants me. He wants me to come out of this tree. He wants to spend some time with me. Church, Jesus wants to hang out with you. He wants to spend some time with you. He wants you to spend some time with him. He wants you to spend time in the Word, spend time in fellowship. If you're not in a life group, our life group's going on during the summer. I think they're still going on during the summer. If you're not plugged into a life group, I encourage you 
uh, to, to find one. If you've visited one or two and this is not your thing, go to, simple, go to another life group. Check them out because I promise you, once you find the life group that you feel plugged in, that you, that you feel comfortable with, there will be a connection there that you'll never, ever, ever regret. Uh, one of those things that, that Denise and I miss about not living close is not being able to be in a life group uh, on throughout the week because we have we just miss that. We still keep in touch with the folks. We had a life group when we were here before. We still keep in touch with those folks. We still go on vacation with those folks. It's just one of those things that we built a relationship um, because we wanted to be connected. In my line of work, I've done this for almost 20 years. One of the things that has been consistent with the folks that kind of come through the prison system is their desire to want to belong to something, their desire to want to fit in someplace. And most of the time, that fitting in has caused them to do some things that is illegal, uh, whether it's um, being part of a, a group that does gang activity, whether it's part of a, uh, a relationship with somebody who's doing something illegal and they just kind of get caught up in it. The ladies that I work with and Brian, that is the case most of the time. Their boyfriend or their husband is doing something and by default they are caught up in it. And so, but they feel like they have to stay connected to something, to their husband, to their boyfriend or whatever. And so same thing. God understands the desire that we have for connection, understands the desire that we need for relationships. And so Life Group is able to do that. We can come and sit in church on Sunday morning for 45 minutes to an hour, and we can sing praises and we can hear a message. But we will never experience the type of connection with his church that we will in a life group. And so I'm always going to always going to encourage you, find some place. If you don't like any of the life groups, guess what the answer is? Start your own, okay? You, if you don't like your own life group, then that's your problem, okay? I mean, you've got to start something, start someplace, and get plugged in. He sees us, he knows us, he wants us. The, one of the, the, the things that I want you to see here in Scripture is, how, what did Zacchaeus do when Jesus asked him to come down? What does it say there in verse 6? It says, he came down, how soon? At once and welcomed him gladly. He didn't come down from the tree and say, Jesus, you know what? I'm so glad you want to come to my house, but man, it's a wreck right now. It's just not ready for you to come to my house. There's dishes in the sink. It's not vacuumed. It's not dusted. All the... He didn't say any of that, did he? He said, I'm glad that you're, you're wanting to, to, to come to my house and he welcomed them gladly. And then the haters started. And I think my scripture says, the, the mutterers, is that, what, is that the word that we use here? Um, they began to um, mutter in verse 7. I know that doesn't happen in LaGrange. We moved away um, a couple years ago, but I know that nobody ever talks about anybody anymore in LaGrange. Everybody's friendly. Everybody's nice. Everybody's courteous. But in, in Zacchaeus' time, they did that kind of stuff. They talked about folks. In verse 7, it says, all the people... They saw what Jesus did. They saw how Zacchaeus responded, and then they began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Wow. Imagine that, Jesus going to hang out with somebody who made some mistakes. Anybody ever made any mistakes? Five, six of y'all. Wow, man. We, this is a great place. We've all made mistakes. We've all had some, some things in our life that, 
we could look back and say, man, I, re- I really regret that. I wish that wouldn't have happened or I wouldn't have said that. Zacchaeus was that guy. Zacchaeus could look back and see all the things that he had done in the past. As a tax collector, he was had a bad reputation to begin with. People felt that he was always cheating them. And he immediately wanted to change his life after he had an encounter with God. How do we know that? Glad you asked, because Scripture says that. It says in verse 8, it says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I'm making a change. A little parenthetical input there. Um, I'm making a change. I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Let me let you in on a secret. Whenever you have an encounter with God, there's going to be some life change. There's going to be some something in your life that you recognize that needs to change. Whether it's a habit, whether it's a relationship, whether it's uh, an, an action, whatever it is, whenever you have an encounter with God, there's going to be some change that happens in your life. And when you understand that and you embrace that, then it becomes that, that much easier for you to be able to move on to the things that God desires for you in your life. He wants me to have a relationship with him. People are going to try to stand in your way and say, oh, man, that person just found Jesus. Happens all the time where I work right now. When somebody finds Jesus in prison, what are, what are they, what's typically told, said about them? Oh, man, it's just jailhouse religion. It's just that everybody's going to find Jesus in prison. It's not real. Whenever they leave, they're going to throw their Bible in the trash can. They'll go back to their own way of life. I love the job that I have. My wife worked for 27 years in the prison system. She's retired for about a year and a half. There were days that she was not real excited about her job. I can honestly say that I have enjoyed almost every single day of being in a job that I'm in because I'm able to share God's word with folks. I'm able to see life change. I'm able to see some some things that have have transpired in people's lives where I can see legitimate changes from the very first day I met them to to maybe a month, maybe a year, maybe five, 15 years later. And so whenever you have an encounter with God, there's going to be change in your life. I want to share a couple of things with you real quick. Um, trying to say how to, um, how do I, how do I say this? I'm teaching, I just got finished teaching a class uh, at, at the prison. It's called It's Not Too Late. Dr. Tony Evans, maybe you've heard of him, tremendous, tremendous man of God, incredibly gifted preacher, wrote some material called Kingdom Man, Kingdom Agenda. Um, if, you're, if you're familiar with those, then you're maybe familiar with this next one. It's called It's Not Too Late. And what he does in this material is he takes six people in Scripture and he basically breaks down their life as far as them making some mistakes and then how God allowed them to be able to grow from that and then how he used them later on to be able to impact somebody else's life. And so one particular week we were looking at the life of, of Jacob. And Genesis chapter 32 is the story of, of Jacob when he is wrestling all night. Remember who he was wrestling with? This means yes, this means no. Who was, who was Jacob wrestling with? You remember? He was wrestling with God. 
Okay? He was wrestling with God all night long because Jacob wanted to receive the blessing from God. And then in chapter 32, verse 22, it talks about this encounter that he had with God. And after he was, it's almost daybreak, Jacob is still wrestling with him. And, and he says, I want to receive my blessing. And, and God is saying, hey, I have to go. He goes, but I want you to know that your name will no longer be Jacob. And I had a, a little girl in the first service tell me what his new name was going to be. You may know what Jacob's name got changed to. Israel. Very good. It got changed to Israel. Anybody know what Jacob means? Jacob means trickster or deceiver. But Israel, anybody know what Israel means? To strive with God, to fight with God. And so because he had an encounter with God, his name was changed. If you're a child of God, your name has changed as well. If you've had an encounter with him, you are no longer not his child, but you have become a child of God. And so your name has changed. In this material that I was teaching in, in the prison with Dr. Tony Evans, this video series, he asked the question in this material, do you know what your name means? Your literal birth name that your parents gave you. And I had approximately 30 to 32 of these ladies in this class, and only two of them knew what their name meant. I've known what my name meant from for a lot of years, just because obviously Michael, it's a pretty common name. And so you see these little cards in all the stores, and it, it tells you what your name means. These ladies didn't have any idea what their name meant. And so I said, do me a favor, send me an email, and I will look up what your name means, what your name means. And you say, well, man, they got emails in prison. Yeah, they have emails in prison. It, it, it kind of expedites the, the, the communication process. They can email the education department, the chapel, medical, whatever, and then we can respond to them quicker than we can in a handwritten note. So they send me their, their names. And along with the ladies in the class, those 32 ladies, we got about 15 more just from other ladies in the unit saying, hey, if they're doing this, can you tell me, can you tell me what my name means too? And, and so we get all these, these uh, emails that my class is on a Wednesday. I'm not at work on Thursday. And so the other chaplain that I work with, he got inundated with all these emails from these ladies saying, hey, what does my name mean? What does my name mean? What does my name mean? And he goes, what? He called me. He goes, what is, what is this about? And so I told him, he goes, I got you. And so, uh, I don't know if Brian is watching this, tremendous, tremendous man of God, love him, love working with him. He spent that weekend looking up all these names and um, responding back in emails, telling these ladies what their names meant. I get back into work on a Sunday, and I'm seeing all these emails, and I'm just crying. I'm just going, I had no idea, because he didn't just say Tammy and then write what Tammy meant. He wrote a word of encouragement to all of these ladies. And I want to share a couple with you before before we close. Some of these are just amazing. And like I said, there's 32 of them, and I just brought like three or four here that I want to share with you. The first lady, her name was Christina, and her name means anointed or apple. And then he goes on and he writes her a little a little paragraph or a couple sentences as a word of encouragement to her. 
And, and what's amazing is not only did she list her name there, but she listed her four kids. Say, hey, if I'm going to do this, I want to find out what everybody's name, everybody's name means. And so he responds to her. He says, your family has very biblical names, as you can see from above. And he, he lists them out. He goes, but let's focus on your name. He says, you've, you've been anointed and are the apple of God's eye. God loves you and wants you to know, regardless of your past and your current circumstances, your future is already in his hands. As you stay in his word, remember you have choices to eat from the forbidden fruit or to be the fruit of God's work in your life. And so just a really, really cool thing for these ladies to be able to to open up and read. And then I'll read a couple more just here in a second. But having class the next Wednesday, they're coming in. They print out their, their emails with their names. And we're just, we're, they go, chat, we gotta talk to you about these names. We gotta, ta- we gotta talk to you about what Chaplain Crone responded with. And so, and they, we just spent the next two hours just crying and talking about what a blessing it was to hear about what their, just their name meant. Second thing I want you to read is this, her name is Cynthia. And Cynthia means butcher. Okay? Had no idea. So if your name's Cynthia, I had no idea that that's what it translates to. He says, he goes, you might be wondering, <laughs> Butcher, how is there a word from God in this for me? Think about it. Who's in charge of ensuring the finest cuts of meats that are prepared, seasoned, preserved, and served? It's the butcher. God has called you to prepare for a season of growth and maturity to preserve and protect and serve your family as an example of how we are to serve others inside and outside our home. May you be blessed in cutting out the sin tissue in your life and the lives of your loved ones. I mean, just, to, I mean, what a way to put a twist on something that you thought, that you thought could not receive anything beneficial. And the last one I want to share with you is, uh, Casey. Her name is Casey. Her middle name is Darlene. Casey means thorny tree and Darlene means dear or little darling or beloved. He says, so your combined name means beloved thorny tree. Again, what in the world? How, how are you going to twist this to make this positive? He goes, this is a beautiful concept when you examine all the trials that you've been through. Thorns are persistent and don't give up. Trees are rooted in the foundation of the earth. When you root yourself in God's word and remember that you are God's beloved daughter, your persistence and your desire to grow with God are a testimony to God's work in you. And so just a really, really, really cool way for them to be able to see that God has taken their name and can be used to give him glory and to give him honor. I want you to hear today, just like Zacchaeus heard 2,000 years ago, Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus recognized that God knew him, that he loved him, that God loves you, that you have a name, and that name is called the child of God. And your child of God, you may be Mark, you may be Mike, you may be Susan, you may be Sally, whatever it is, but you're a child of God. And when he has called you by name, there's something amazing that God wants to do in your life. We need to be available to that. Just like Zacchaeus quickly climbed down that tree and said, I'm happy to go. Let's go to my house and do whatever. I mean, we're going to hang out. When you get up in the mornings, I encourage you to open God's word and say, God, what do you want to show me today? What do you want to do in my life today? Where do you want to take us today? 
When you come to church, when you come to service on Sundays, come in those doors saying, God, what do you want to do in my life today? What do you want to teach me today? What do you want to show me today? Can we be like the people of Zacchaeus' time and say, oh, look at that person. Why is she in here? Oh, look at that person. Why are they in here? We can, but that's not our focus. Shouldn't be our focus. Our focus is to give him glory. Our focus is to give him honor and for us to have our hands open saying, God, do in my life what you want to do today. Amen? Amen. Three truths. He sees me. He sees you. He knows me. He knows you. He wants me. And he wants you. Some of you, you've been living a a life obedient to God for a long time. And you and God are like this, and you feel like you've never been closer to the Lord. Some of you may not be there. Some of you may not be that close, and you're struggling with some things, and you want to be close. You want to have that relationship with God that's better than it's ever been in your entire life. That is possible. There may be some in this room that the only reason you came is because mom and dad drug you. Or you're telling your friend, listen, I'll go to church with you one time, and after that, stop bothering me. What it, maybe listen online, and whatever reason you're listening today, whatever today is, you may be watching this in the future, God has a word for you, and that word is that I love you, I know you, and I want to have a relationship with you. What I encourage you to do, if you would, with, if you would, just bow your heads real quick. Um, and, I, and I want to pray for us. I want to pray over us. As Zacchaeus wasn't expecting for Jesus to stop and to look up at him and to address him personally, maybe you came to church today and thought, man, I didn't expect to get addressed personally today. God has a unique way of doing things. Some of you have been living a life that's been obedient for years, and so I pray, I ask that you pray along with me as we encourage those that maybe haven't been fully committed to the things of God or maybe not in a relationship with God at all, that you would pray with me as, as these folks have an opportunity today to, to make sure that God is, is um, recognized in their life and, and accepted in their life. Scripture says in Romans that we're to, to believe and we're to confess and that we do that, that we can be saved. And so if you've... Living, if you've prayed a prayer in the past where you've asked Christ to come into your life to forgive you of your sins, to save you, and you know without a doubt you're going to, to heaven when you die, then praise the Lord. And I ask that, that you continue to, to stay connected to the things of God, keep your eyes focused on, on, on Him. Those of you maybe have said that prayer and, and maybe you've stepped away from the things of God, but your desire today is to reconnect. Your desire is to fully commit every day from this future on worshiping Him and giving Him the the number one place in your life that He deserves. If that's you, I pray that you would just pray and confess those things in the past to, to the Lord and allow Him and ask Him to be the strength that you need for the future. And for those that have never prayed, you've never asked Christ to come into your life, you've never sensed the need for a Savior, but you do today. And I, I pray that you would follow along and pray these words with me. Dear God, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me of my sins. Help me to make you the number one thing, the most important thing in my life. Help me to honor you with my words. Help me to honor you with my actions. 
And I commit the rest of my life to you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If that's you and you prayed that prayer for the very first time today, I would encourage you, when you have an opportunity to respond through um, through the connection card, through calling Pastor Chris, calling myself, talking to me after service, I would love to be able to visit with you about that, let you know what the next steps are, because I believe that Zacchaeus wasn't just left there standing at the base of that tree saying, hey, I want you to, I want to hang out with you. There was a connection there. There was a relationship that was built. And so that relationship wants to be extended to you as well. And so if, if that's you online and you prayed that prayer and asked Christ to come in your life, I pray that you would contact our church, contact a local pastor, maybe where you're at, to be able to follow up with that as well. As we leave this place today, we're going to sing a few more songs. Uh, I pray that, that as you listen to the words, that those words that are coming out of your mouth, you recognize that, that God has called you by name and he has a specific plan for your life. Jeremiah 29:11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and to give you a hope and a future. Embrace your name as a child of God. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.